Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Coco Zing, and more. An extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. Boy, it sounds great to have you back on the show. I'm Connor Oaks. That's what people have been asking for. Uh, it's so good to hear. Weeks. Thank you very much. But you were on vacation. Glad You're to be back, back from vacation now, and we're delighted to have you back on the show. We have a really amazing program today, Connor. A couple of human interest items involving Los Angeles City Council protests that are getting out of hand, and an amazing memory trick that we're going to talk about. Then we get into the big legal topics. Uh, numero uno, let's fire up our presidential crystal ball, talk about the midterms. What does that say about 2024? Number two, are big law firms too woke? And third and finally- That's should, my official response. Yeah. I can't wait to talk that. about it. <laughs> and finally, number three, should hate speech be decriminalized? We will hash that out. Well, no, that's the drug debate. This is hate speech we're talking about. And finally, Connor, guess the verdict is going to be returning with your- triumphant return to uh, too many lawyers. I'll give you a tease here. Uh, the case is the people versus Mr. Twister. Hmm. Okay. That at the end of the podcast. Interested, intrigued. Okay, good. All right. Well, let us talk about the uh, human interest items. LA City Council, everybody knows it's been in the news, not in a good way in recent weeks, because three of their members were caught on tape uh, about a year ago, I had a meeting and it was secretly recorded. I think we still don't know who recorded it. Uh, one of the perps won't quit the L.A. City Council, Kevin DeLeon. So there are protests at his house, outside City Hall, but also inside City Hall. Whistles, Connor. Blue bullhorns, constant screaming. The, the, the City Council persons, Connor, were actually issued earbuds so they could talk to each other electronically, <laughs> even though they're five to 20 feet away. Nice. I don't know how much time you spent in the esteemed and palatial Los Angeles City Council uh, quarters, Connor, but um, it may surprise you to learn this is not a new problem. It's more severe now. But for years, the City Council has allowed protesters to disrupt meetings. And my question is, why is that? You remember when the Kavanaugh and, and, the, and the other Trump nominees were uh, 
were going through their process, there would be people from Code Pink, and they'd be in the audience, and in the middle of the testimony, they'd stand up on cue, they'd start screaming, and, and they'd have posters, and they were expressing themselves civil disobedience. But rules are rules, and so the marshals escorted them out of the room. So why do we think it's okay in Los Angeles to disrupt a legislative session? You, you couldn't enter a building, a private property building, and crash a board of directors meeting. Why do you have an opportunity to not just sit and listen and monitor what your uh, elected officials are doing, but also basically stop them communi from communicating because of whistles and bullhorns? Yeah, I hear what you're saying, that it does seem odd that they wouldn't simply try to solve this problem in a practical way. But the reality is that, as you described, this is not a new problem. This is a, a problem that the LA City Council has faced for years, where they have previously uh, taken many different tactics to try to uh, make things uh, proceed uh, sort of civilly and without disruption. Uh, specifically, they would take recesses, as reported by the LA Times, they would take recesses to uh, sort of calm not, things not down. Like, not like dodgeball. No, there were unfortunately no dodgeball or water fountains. Oh, hey, maybe water fountains. I don't know. Um, and plus, we don't know what happens in that, during a recess back in the chambers. Maybe they are playing dodgeball. I don't know. If they did have water fountains, Connor. You can bet your bottom dollar that the, the little flange there uh -huh. where the water comes out is plastic. Oh, yeah. Nice for sure. Plastic. Because you, you remember when you were a kid and when I was a kid, people would just knock their front teeth out left <laughs> and right. On those metal flanges. It happens. It happens. Yeah, of to course those. it does. You statistically, <laughs> one out of every 100,000, I'm going to go, oh, damn it. I yeah, there it goes. The expensive orthodontics. Yeah. So previously, they had tried these different tactics like taking recesses and coming back or even having police come in and clear the chamber. But at this point, the city council themselves, the ones who are facing this disruption, they have decided, okay. I want to, we want to proceed, if possible, with this, uh, uh, with this proceeding, uh, with our, our business, and get it done without having, the, uh, having the, the conflict, the physical confrontation of using police, which is really the only way you can clear uh, the chamber, come in and clear the chamber. Now, Council President Paul Krikorian uh, said he wanted that to try to get the work done while allowing people to express their anger, right? And there's value in letting people express their anger in one way or another and not responding uh, by default or perhaps at all with a violent police clearing of the chamber or a crackdown or whatever you want to call it. Paul Krikorian says, quote, this is the nature of democracy. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes people get mad. You have to try to strike that balance all the time. So that's what they're trying to do, right? I mean, I, honestly, I think it's a, it's a model for letting people uh, you know, shout and scream when they want to shout and scream while also getting on with the business of business, right? You could say that this, where you listen to the public, I mean, you know, listening to listener comment come in over the phone call, phone uh, lines as as is, you know, the, the the point of the meeting, right? Public comment received through phone call. Uh, that was that is one way to listen to the public. Uh, another way would be, you know, you get hate mail or fan mail or whatever mail from people saying, hey, I don't like what you're doing. I do like what you're doing. And you listen to it or you don't. You read it or you don't. 
you ignore it or you put it into action and change your your policy positions. Another way is to listen to people's passion, to people's, you know, their way of protesting, their way of attempting to disrupt you and making your life difficult. You have to in a democracy where we think, you know, money equals speech, shouting equals speech, letter writing campaigns equals speech, blocking the roads uh, and 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 marching for for freedom or justice or whatever the American way or whatever you want to say, that all that is speech that listening to that speech and allowing that speech is by default at least in my opinion a good thing i think it's a, you know our our discourse is made better by trying to default to allowing people to express themselves and only restricting that if it is necessary now well in you, this case you make some you make some good points connor and um i'm checking the clock you won in terms of longest talking compared to what i did <laughs> Oh, is that somehow new for this podcast? I don't no, think no, so. no, no. Let's, Connor. Let's lift the curtain and let people have a little look at the at the production of this podcast, shall we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it may be of interest to you, folks. Uh, you heard Connor quoting this council president Krikorian, and you may be interested to know that before we start the uh, the podcast, well, that is more than a minute or so before, Connor doesn't know what the topics are because he has a real job. And I come up with some possible topics, uh, and I I tell them to him right before the show starts. And so clearly, he has what I like to call a smartphone. And Connor, once you're able to look something up about Kirkcry, but my hats off to you, Connor, because you're always prepared. You always have something substantive to say, even though it's it's kind of a last minute thing uh, in terms of you knowing the topics. Well, that keeps because you've exciting. got a job. If if you if you told me the podcast topics away in advance, first of all, then our podcast wouldn't be hot and fresh off the right. press, so that we could talk about the latest possible stuff. So, but even if you gave me an hour's notice, I would then spend because it is my personality an hour before the pod crafting a specific like word by word script for what I was gonna. This is how I prepare. If I'm going to give an, an opening uh, a statement or a closing argument in, in court, a court trial, or That's I'm going to do, I, I cannot, you know, prepare for something like that other than to sit down and write out every single word with perfect punctuation. It's never perfect, but attempted perfect punctuation before well, I, I do it. So this is the only mentally safe way for me to approach these podcast topics is to be thrown directly <laughs> to the wolves, lest I waste every single available moment scripting my response. And inevitably, the response wouldn't be as good if it were scripted. You know, it's funny. There's there's sort of a link, I think, between a form of obsession and elite performance. We may have talked about this on the podcast recently, but when I used to go see the pros play uh, professional pool tournaments, billiards tournaments, pocket billiards, uh, I was struck by the fact that the very best players in the world, and it was great, they all came to Los Angeles to the, to the card clubs. Generally, that's where they hosted the tournaments. The very pl- best players in the world would obsessively Mm-hmm. Strike balls, strike balls over and over for as many minutes as they could get, 5, 10, 15 on the table, on the tournament table. And I thought to myself, these are the best guys in the world. Do they really need to be need in it, right? Yeah. And I think they did. I think that that people who perform at an elite level, whether it's business or sports or whatever, I think they're kind of driven to cover every base. Yeah. Now, we've we've gotten through one of our human interest topics, Connor. <laughs> Uh, are you ready for the second? Yes, I'm always ready. How do you perform ready. this amazing memory trick? Most everybody knows that between Louisiana and Georgia, there are two states. You know this. It's, it's Alabama and Mississippi, right? Yeah. 
if you're reading their names on a map and you read left to right, it's west to east, it's Mississippi, and then it's Alabama. You okay. Know that. Yeah. Question is, how did you know that? Now, I don't have a system for knowing that Arizona is west of New Mexico. I just happen to know. There's no yeah. system. But do you just happen to know that Mississippi is, in fact, west of Alabama, which it is? Or did you have a system? And I do have a system, which I'll share with you if you're. I'd love to hear it. Uh, it's it's just the acronym, Ma. Hey, Ma. Hey, Ma. Hi, Ma. How about a peanut butter sandwich? Thanks for it. raising me, Ma. You know, M-A. Right. Mississippi is left. Alabama mm-hmm. is right. M is first A. Now, that's my system. What's your system? I don't have one, frankly. Uh, it's kind of like the the Arizona thing, and and I'll uh, I'll admit to you, if you gave me a a map a blank and map. said, <laughs> yeah, a blank map, and you said uh, point to Mississippi or Alabama, I think I'd have a fifty three percent chance of getting. Well, it you correct. wouldn't. Let me ask you this, Connor. You wouldn't have Mississippi up around or like Oregon or Washington. No, 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 no. I, I'm a little you know bit what enough. quadrant of the nation yeah. it's in. Yeah, right? I could do that. Okay. Uh, well, the reason. I was asking about this is because of the National Geographic uh, Literacy Survey of Americans aged 18 to 24 resulted in some unpleasant findings. Only 50%, Connor, could identify the state of New York on an unlabeled map that we were describing. Well, New York is a tough one. That's a, that's an unfair well, one to start off with. I, I, California, Texas. Okay. But the shape of New York, the thing is people don't know is New York State. All they know is well, New York City. Like Colorado and Wyoming, everybody has their own unique shape. What was the problem with shape? But, no, it's so, it's so like people think of New York as the island of Manhattan. So like a lot of people would look not, at New not York. Long Island? Not even no, like it's it's just it's it's tall buildings. It's the Wall Street bull. Uh, you know, it's 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 Central Park. It's people. Isn't thinking, that sexist? Probably exactly. The 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 bull should be female, and then people also <laughs> should not be binary. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Thank you, Royal Oaks, twenty twenty two. Uh, abolish gender. That's what Plus, I. Heard. I just realized Washington had slaves. My gosh, what am I doing with one dollar bills in my wallet? Absolutely right. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have Hitler currency in my wallet. Yeah, what am I gonna do? What do I do with this stack of two thousand one dollar bills that I have in my wallet and and home for no reason? Anyway, I almost finished there. Forty three percent could locate Ohio. Yeah, that's kind of sad. Sixty seven percent could locate Louisiana, but now we come to the pertinent one. Fifty two percent knew which was Mississippi. In other words, Connor. It's a coin flip. Yeah, see, know, Mississippi that's how I would... and Alabama. Because everybody knows, oh, yeah, that's Louisiana. That's a weird shape. Right. And over to the right, oh, Atlanta and Georgia. Georgia, that's where the Braves and Atlanta play. Yeah. And Florida is unique. We won't talk about what body part that looked like. But who knows? <laughs> Mississippi versus Alabama. They're so similar. No, 52% do. Yeah. They're so similar. It's it's really not fair. Yeah. Well, my goodness, uh, having gotten through the the two human interest topics. Uh, it's time to pause. And Connor, of course, at this point, always tells you how to rate and subscribe to the podcast. Yeah, check us out on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Whatever platform that is will have the function to be able to subscribe or join the podcast family. Uh, and by so doing, you will get every single podcast episode pushed to your uh, podcast platform uh, instead of having to go individually remember to download it every Wednesday when it goes up. So we would also uh, appreciate while you're there if you drop us a like uh, or a comment uh, or one of those subscriptions because uh, it makes us feel very warm and fuzzy. We'll be right back. 
Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more. An extra large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Connor, before we get to our very first legal topic uh, of the podcast, um, I'm just wondering, we've kind of mastered some of the technology here. We have a, we have a guest on. Um, now, what about John Hamm? What do you think our chances would be of getting him? Well, I think John and I have kind of, I would describe us as frenemies, right? It's well, a friendly before, rivalry. Before we get into details about your relationship with him, <laughs> let me tell you about my non-relationship with him. <laughs> okay. I just finished uh, watching all the Mad Men episodes. I think nice. there were seven seasons, yeah. Um, I watched from season one, episode one, all the way to the end. And mm-hmm. I'd seen it more or less, most of the episodes when they were really on and you know, 08 to 15 or whatever it was. Um, but it was amazing. Uh, the subject matter was incredible. The way they recreated the early 60s, as I'm told. And John Hamm was was remarkable. And now that he's got a new movie out to promote, I think it's called Fletch. No, it's Confess, comma, Fletch. Confess, Fletch. And have you seen him do the uh, Geico commercials with Flo? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's great. Oh, he's all over the place. Yeah, Flo's not bad either. Sure. So if you can think, A, of a legal angle, why it would make any sense for John Hamm to be on this podcast, and B, how to land him. Oh, oh no. We, that would be like your project for we've, next week? Yeah, and I think I, we can nail it. I, there's, all, there's a built-in legal angle because he actually has a restraining order against me. And that's, I mean, <laughs> you know, le- legally, that's that's just juicy, juicy topic right there. I think why are you definitely... making up stuff about you and John Hamm? <laughs> I, I was I was pretty <laughs> credible, I thought, but I'm I don't understand. <sighs> By the way, have you heard that uh, there's going to be a challenger, a couple of challengers to Kevin McCarthy, assuming as is uh, likely now the Republicans will uh, control the House. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, about four or five days ago, uh, Steve Scalise, the guy that took a bullet from the maniac, what ten years ago? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has said he's gonna challenge McCarthy. And just today, Representative Andy Biggs, he thinks he's so Biggs, um, he is going to challenge McCarthy as well. And, you know, I think it's a result of us living in the Trump era. But as soon as I heard this, you know what I thought? What? I thought, oh, well, it's just like the Trump situation. Mm. Um, Trump wins and McCarthy wins because the bulk of people, whether it's 30 or 40 or 50 or 60, the, the, he has a plurality. Mm-hmm. And the key is everybody else, whatever is not part of that plurality, whether it's 48% or 59%, is split among 10 people or multiple people anyway. And so when I heard Andy Biggs is getting in, I thought to myself, well, then there's no chance Steve Scalise is going to be able to unseat this guy because this guy has got a Trump-like plurality and everybody else is just going to chew each other up. Right. Like I'm being paranoid. You know... <laughs> It's a really interesting point to, to try to draw the analogy to Trump and how much of a disruption Trump was to sort of the b- big, broad American political s- system and, and and to really zoom in on this Speaker of the House um, uh, nomination um, and and 
speak and, and talk about the divisions that have been sort of laid bare, uh, not just in the Republican Party, but in society. But in, in this in this example, it's the Republican Party. I think that it may well be sort of the aftershocks of Trump. It may well be uh, that we cannot separate anything that we see in American politics today from the aftershocks of Trump. Because while while we see, you know, uh, a a midterm that we're going to get into a little bit later in the show, I'll say this is uh, an interim, a a midterm that a lot of people are putting in a a category they call the asterisk midterms, the ones we don't really know what happened, the ones where big weird stuff happened that break the rules. And a lot of people are trying to put 2022 in that box and say, oh, well, and, well and yeah, it's- but there's been a lot of speculation. And in, I mean, it's, I say in retrospect, it hasn't been that many days since the oh, yeah. election. The but, count's not even done. Yeah. But, but but people are already kind of coalescing around a few theories, namely yeah. Trump was toxic. Right. The mediocre candidates that he promoted lost partly because they were mediocre and partly because he boosted them. So that's mm-hmm. one factor. Yeah. Uh, abortion, the Dobbs decision in the summer was a second factor. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, th- those, I think, are identified as mainly, mainly the reasons that the red wave just never appeared. Yeah, and 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 like I said, we'll probably get into that. I don't mean to derail we it. We already this, did. We did. Yeah. The the Kevin the Kevin McCarthy thing is actually a really good way to look at this, and you can either see it as a reaction to uh, the midterms and say, well. When a party is struggling, you start to shake things up, right? You start to say, "Well, if it ain't if it ain't working, uh, we gotta we gotta make some changes, right? You you can't uh, proceed forward, banging your head against the same wall and uh, doing the same thing and expecting different results. That's as they say, insanity, right? This is this is a, a party that is sort of." did way worse than they thought they would. So everybody's going to start pointing fingers. Now, is anybody specifically pointing fingers at McCarthy? No. So maybe this is just opportunism where guys like Biggs are saying, this is my shot. Possibly, but a lot of people have been criticizing McCarthy for a long time. Uh, That's certainly true. It is certainly the most it is certainly mostly most directly the result of just how close the House majority in uh, that that the Republicans are likely to hold in the in the coming weeks once this all gets sorted out and final counts are in, it, how just how close that is, right? You've got to get to two eighteen, the magic number, and when the the number is that small, and there are so few sort of air quotes mainstream Republicans to the extent that any mainstream Republicans re- exist in post Trump world, mm-hmm. um, it, it, if if you have so few extra mainstream Republican seats to throw around that you could use to pull onto your team and say, oh, you know, you got to go for our mainstream guy, McCarthy. He's he's our man. We all know it. We, you know, toe the party line for us. You've got too many House Freedom Caucus extra wackos, super duper wacko, wacko pluses that so, won't even sign up to the Republican Party project hard enough to you know, get on McCarthy's team. So you only need a couple of them to say no. And 
if if you can if you have to corral 218 people out of 219 people i'll tell you in on the republican side of the aisle i'll tell you what there's got to be at least two wackos right like it's a really tough spot for mccarthy to be in oh as a, as a lifelong republican i i'm not prepared to stipulate that there would be at least <laughs> two wackos in a grouping of 220 republican congressmen <laughs> I can't. I can't agree to that. That's that's good. I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you. And I wasn't that. channeling Dick Nixon. No, not even a little bit. That's a. That's a very good Nixon. It's subtle. It's subtle, but it's it's very obvious at the same time. I'm very impressed. That's uh, you're you're you're, uh, you're you're channeling uh, the big man himself. Oh yeah, the big guy. Uh, yeah. So we've kind of eased into the issue of uh, the midterms, uh, moving into the presidential race in 2024, Connor. I. Uh, I want to tee up kind of a, a presidential crystal ball double, double header for you. Mm-hmm. Two wacky ideas want to bounce off you and see what you think. It's an idea expressed by a former White House official named Douglas McKinnon. He published it uh, today in The Hill. Um, his idea is that Newsom will replace Kamala Harris. <laughs> God, I saw this. So, oh, my so Newsom God. Newsom is picked as the vice presidential candidate at the <sighs> summer 2024 Democrat convention. But here comes the real curveball, Connor. Biden then resigns, making Newsom president. The theory being the Democrats have to mix it up. They held off the red wave, but that happened because Trump was so unpopular. Democrats could have done much better if it weren't for the fact that Biden and Harris are unpopular. So the Dems, if they could go into 2024 with Trump as an opponent, but without the unpopular Biden and Harris, why? Happy days are here again. Yeah. That's that's one way to think about this. Look, hey, is that, hey, hey, I'm asking for Douglas McKinnon published in the uh, Hill today. OK, this right. isn't my question. Of course not. Of course not. Yes. No, I would never try to tar you with that brush. I, I Obviously, that's uh, uh, not a not a Royal Oak special uh, opinion here. Look, this whole notion of of uh, several people trying to sort of come up with weird ways to uh, shoehorn Gavin Newsom into the presidency because the, it, it's the same. It's the same sort of like bizarre. I hope the White House has plenty of hair gel. Like they call it wish casting, like p- pretending that you're forecasting. You're just really wishing. It's the same people. Same attitude people have about uh, uh, Robert. I, I got to be honest, Connor. I've never heard. The phrase, or is it a word? Wish it's, casting. It's it's political. Is, is it a millennial thing, or no, am I just completely out of every loop? Not just <laughs> the millennial loop. No, it's a term used by pundits, by critics of pundits. It's the people who like to sit in their armchairs I'm and just criticize. Glad you didn't say pundit. Because if you had oh, said no. pundit, like I hear a lot of people on television say, on television, said, Connor. Oh my god, you grew up. My household, Lauren <laughs> helped too, so it's her household. No, this this is the particular class of person we fall into. This class, by the way, who like to armchair quarterback the armchair quarterbacks, who like to criticize the pundits. And well, ex- you're talking ex- about Twitter, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, who like to sit back and say, "Oh, I could have criticized that guy better than this guy criticized that guy," and and so I understand that we are, you know, absent. Uh, we are two steps removed from anybody who's actually coming up with a substantive plan to make the world a better place. I know this that this is a this is a variation on a, a very annoying personality trait. Right. I don't know how many people you've run into, but there are certain things that people um, they. Uh, 
for example, close talkers. Mm-hmm. You've seen, you've seen, is it Seinfeld show about the close talker? Yeah. Um, have you run one. into a few in your lifetime? Oh yeah, absolutely. Person I, I, gets I talk to, to within about time. four yeah. inches of your face <laughs> and has a perfectly normal conversation, right. except every other member of the planet would be a foot and a half away. Yeah. But no, mm-hmm. this person is four inches away. Right. And the weird thing is they don't have a clue. They right. have no <laughs> idea that they are completely screwed up and inappropriate. Right. Huh? Yeah, it's, how many it's, how many of you run into in your lifetime? Would you uh, say? Too many, too many, and none will see heaven. They're evil people. They're terrible people. So here's I'm, the I'm second, covered in their spirit. Here's the other uh, uh, version of, of oddity uh, that I've come across. Some people are so enthusiastic about their opinions that when you say something or, or use a word like, oh, that was terrific, they will not just say, yeah, or yeah, oh, what they'll say is, no, 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 not terrific. It was fabulous. <laughs> it was fabulous. Now, the implication, although they don't quite articulate every word, but the implication is, you know, you're just not very good picking words, are you? Because mine, mine's better. Mine's just better, yeah. You they're, run across it, anybody like that? They're toppers, like that? right? They're, 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 they have to one-up uh, you. Uh, I guess it's a species. Right, exactly. Or a species of topper, yeah. Yeah, so so this uh, this take on on uh, Newsom, on Biden resigning and Newsom taking his place, is uh, uh, is a particularly gross. Um, so I I saw um, uh, an article in the Hill, an op-ed putting forth basically this very similar variation uh, on this idea, um, saying, uh, okay. Uh, Biden's so old that we want him to replace Kamala Harris with credit for not saying how old is he (laughs) Uh, and then resign, thus catapulting Newsom to the presidency. The idea that you would uh, replace a woman, a black woman who won the vice presidency, whether you like her or whether millions. Yeah. By whether the the, the uh, a ticket, a presidential she ticket. She not only won by millions; she won in the electoral college too. Right, it's true. Uh, this is this is a ticket, Biden Harris, that won that that garnered the most votes in the history of the United States. They received the most votes. Yeah, well, that's because everybody got States. a vote uh, a ballot by mail. Oh, is that is that yeah. the reason? Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident <laughs> in that one. <laughs> the this is. Uh, this is a a ticket that was spectacularly successful and that has uh has navigated well the there's been an evolution connor do you remember uh the time in american history when we were all instructed to refer to the biden harris administration does that ring a bell it, it was pretty revolutionary it was such a nice gesture by the president to authorized basically telling all federal employees when you refer to our administration say biden harris okay mm-hmm. Yeah. It, was, it was told, it was in writing. It lasted about three months. Sure. I don't think it's a thing sure. anymore. Like, you know, you're right that they are unpopular. And the authors of these dumb op-eds that I disagree with and enjoy calling dumb because I am an armchair quarterback, uh, they are basing their, I think, silly and probably sexist opinions uh, of what they should do uh, you know, to, to supplant the current uh, uh, 
Biden-Harris ticket with get Newsom in there and, and try to you know get get something exciting going and new and different. They are basing it all on the really low poll numbers uh, for approval ratings uh, for Biden and for for Kamala Harris. And and I totally understand where they're coming from because in a vacuum, I can see why someone might say, okay, well, appro- approval uh, numbers are are really important, and if those are low, the Democrats are probably going to lose. But look at what just happened in the midterms. It turns out, I would say that I and and some and a lot of others out there are who are all, like ultra progressives, right? I'm like a hardcore, filthy, pinko, commie, <laughs> like just way off the rails. Like, Connor, just, why don't we just stick with ultra? Yeah, okay, that's much better. I am way outside the bounds of what people would call normie democratic politics, right? Like just middle of the road, boring, democratic, vote blue no matter who. Uh, you know, I'm a party man. Like I was, I'm a Democrat and my mom's a Democrat and her dad's a Democrat. And so I'll be a Democrat till the day I die. And I just think they're good people and a little bit better than, than those uh, darn Republicans who like, who like uh, corporations a little bit too much. Like those are the, the middle of the road bulk of democratic voters and they're also you know the people that i think misunderstand electoral politics and how you get uh you know upset victories and all of those normie democratic you know boring basics are laughing in my freaking face right now because we just had the most like the the most ridiculously over the top vindication of of normie democratic politics that you could ever imagine we had a situation where there was supposed to be a red wave and where i was over here screaming and saying democrats have to change they've got to do something drastic they're going to get owned in these midterm elections they're going to lose control of so the government now not going to listen to you they're just going to right you know, fat it's, happy and instead proceed to 2024 right all the democrats had to do it turns out was put uncle joe up you know behind the podium and have him say yeah no my approval every, every week every day at the white house is like weekend at bernie's right i i I, I, I know my approval uh, ratings are low, folks, and you might not like me, but, you know, these Republicans, they're a bunch of crazy people out here. They're supporting Donald Trump. They're literally rolling Mega us, people. Yeah, they're rolling us back. Uh, they're, they're, they're trying to subvert democracy. They're getting rid of abortion. If you're voting they're, Trump, you ain't black. They're doing all this crazy stuff, folks, and we don't like crazy stuff here in America, right? We like middle of the road, blue democracy, you know, just vote blue no matter who. And all of me- There's hard, light blue, not hard, dark blue. Right, right. All of us hardcore progressives have been saying for so long, that doesn't work. Look at the, the grassroots power of a guy like Bernie. Look at like people's uh, love for uh, like- uh, uh, Elevating a candidate to national uh, excitement and status with universal basic income, like Yang, like he went from nobody to somebody who was a real contender just because he was a single issue candidate where he said, hey, wouldn't it be great if the government did way, way, way more and went super progressive on this issue? He also was crazy wrong and everything else, but that's okay. He had this one thing and it launched him to national prominence and people went freaking crazy over Bernie Sanders. His supporters are so excited about him. And I, a progressive, I'm out here saying that's how you generate excitement. And yet at the same time, a form of craziness. <laughs> and yet at the same time, 
the Democrats can win too. It turns out Joe Biden's a really good politician. So why are people writing op-eds saying glad dump to see, Joe? I'm just glad to see you've gotten over the midterms, Connor. I, I'm absolutely not over the midterms. I am mm-hmm. still shook to my core over the midterms. I was completely shocked at how well the Democrats did in the midterms. I, and I mean, it's it, it, it's weird, of course, to say a narrow loss in the House is a win. It's not. And I'm not trying to say that it is. And maybe there are other more better things that they could have done to do even better uh, than they did. But there were all these shocking upsets and seat flips that we did not expect at all. They, of course, could have, I don't know, a real plan for how to control New York instead of just completely ignoring it and assuming that it will be deep blue forever the way that apparently the party establishment has been in the last six months and they misspent all their money. And then, of course, you've got Florida where probably – and I'd love to hear your take on this – I think – the DeSantis excitement, the the normie Republicans who are all going, ah, I'm just scared about Trump. And they really want DeSantis to be the guy that takes down Trump so that they can sort of get back in the swing of Republicans or normal people <laughs> again. Uh, and so the excitement behind DeSantis there probably carried most of the state. And that's why Democrats did so badly across the state. Probably, I expect probably. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And, and actually, uh, we need to pause, but when we come back, I'm going to explain how it is that DeSantis might be able to beat Trump. It involves Mike Pence. This is Dick with us on Too Many Lawyers. Hot off the press from Maybelline, New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more. An extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Connor, uh, here's another uh, twist to our presidential crystal ball doubleheader. How about Mike Pence running as a way to get rid of Trump? Okay. Yes, it's true. Some nuts who raided the Capitol said, let's hang Mike Pence. But in general, for a long time, Pence has been seen and continues to be seen as aligned with Trump, full of, of you know, he, he shares the same positions. He's very religious, evangelical. Now, what does this mean? It could mean the silver bullet that sane Republicans and Ron DeSantis have been waiting for, a way to dilute the power of Donald Trump who currently has that plurality we talked about earlier in the show, the plurality that will beat every challenger just because Trump has a base big enough, but no single opponent could challenge him because they're going to just, they're going to divide up a smaller pie. Well, if the strength of Trump's base is diluted by X millions Mm -hmm. evangelicals who worship Mike Pence, because he really is one of them, and they've always been wary of the playboy, the former Democrat, the former pro-choice, former sexual harasser, Donald Trump. They're wary of him. But damn it, they vote for him because he's better than the alternative. Well, right. here, the alternative is the best. It's Mike Pence. If his base can be split, Trump's, doesn't that give an opening to Ron DeSantis to somehow get the nomination? I mean, yes, there's always an opening, right? Politics is 
is change. It is constant dynamism. There's there's no way to say, oh, well, 2024 will just be a rerun of 2020 and Trump will steamroll the primary. But let's think about how Trump steamrolled the primary for a moment. Trump looked at primary voters in the, for, for the Republican Party, and he being not a complete idiot, somebody with very good political instincts, that's how you become president, right? In, in, in 2016, rather, sorry. In 2016, he looked at the, the Republican primary field and he said, what do these voters care about? Well, they care about things like like a, a big enough portion Border of walls. Them, yeah, a big enough portion of them care about uh, finding something about Hillary Clinton that looks damaging that we can point and laugh at. So Hillary's emails, huge, massive success. One of the biggest political stories, uh, you know, of the of the 2000s, sure. the most powerful, you know, animating forces. What is it based on? It doesn't matter. Effectively nothing. It's totally irrelevant. It doesn't matter. We just need a th- we needed something to say that was so complicated. So you're, so you're thinking things. that the emails really were about Chelsea's wedding and mom's funeral. I mean, they certainly weren't about uh, like a, a secret pedophile ring in the basement of the, the pizza parlor. I think you're right. I think you're right there. <laughs> but it doesn't matter what it was about. What mattered is Trump said people want to yell and scream and point and pillory Hillary Clinton. So I'm going to give them a vehicle to do it. What do people want? They want to uh, a, a way to uh, to 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 shout about immigration in a way and with a with an actionable plan that it doesn't have to make any sense. It doesn't have to actually be able to come true. It doesn't have to make fiscal sense or sense or international politics sense or anything else. We just need a slogan that we can shout and not be accused of being racist, but be able to say we're going to take take this concrete step to protect American sovereignty because you know I'll feel good about it. And so, build the wall became this and make Mexico pay for it became this. Incredible, amazing, powerful rallying cry that Republicans flock to. And enough Republicans, the type of Republicans who vote in Republican primaries, flocked to Trump to win where Trump stripped away, you know, he's a field, a huge field, huge field of, of Republican uh, uh, candidates, like 16 people, basically, who had a real shot at one point or another. And he was able to carve out a, a plurality of that, not a majority even of Republican primary voters, but a plurality of those Republican primary voters enough to knock out the others since they all split the normie uh, Republican vote. Uh, amongst each other, right? There was the mm-hmm. same Republicans, even if the same Republicans added up to 70%, and the crazy Republicans added up to 30%, Trump only had to get to 30%, right? And then the other guys all had 5 or 10 or 15% of right. the remaining 70. So that's how Trump did it. He said, there are, a, I can capture this group, and this is the only group I'll need. I just need these two or three perfect slogans. It'll get me there. And then once he's got the nomination, suddenly he's got the machine behind him. All the Republicans have to get in line behind him because it's a two-party system. There's no other way to do this. you got to support your Republican candidate now. So they all get behind him, and then he has this miracle of miracles, incredible long shot, beats Hillary Clinton, nobody expected it, et cetera. That's how Trump gets there. Is Ron DeSantis going to be able to stop just that playbook. Don't even think about what Trump's new playbook will be. Don't even think about how we get ahead of you know things and and uh, and how he's going to be ahead of the curve. Probably because he's a, a crazy guy, actual I, I think deranged, but deranged with incredibly good political instincts, good enough to win as a as a massive outside long shot. How does Ron DeSantis beat that playbook? 
Well, well let, is it, so, are they going to so, narrow the, the primary field or is he so, going to? So let's assume you're right. Let's yeah. assume you're right. Trump's going to roll on. Do you think the Democrats want that or would they rather he be indicted and tied up in the criminal justice Ooh. system to the point where um, he won't run and DeSantis will run and maybe DeSantis will beat uh, Biden? I think that uh, I think that the Democrats don't want Trump around because Trump is chaos embodied. Trump is Trump doesn't follow. The so he's rules. not only the chance of the Democrats losing, but for sure he's chaos. Yeah, he's the chance of the Democrats losing because he's chaos. The Democrats don't want a, a tornado to rip through the debate hall and disrupt what their internal punditry says is going to happen, right? He, the Democrats would would prefer to take uh, a coin flip. I think uh, a Biden DeSantis coin flip. It won't be a coin flip, but but they'll the, even if you if you said to them it'll be a Biden DeSantis fifty fifty coin flip and we'll flip for the friggin' presidency of the United States. They would take <laughs> that over the refreshing new approach yeah exactly right they would take that over the disruptive painful horrifying reality of having donald trump run for president and frankly i too do not want donald trump to be president even if it would or to be running for president even if it gives the democrats a better chance of winning in the end according to some analysts because i think having donald trump on the political stage recruiting people to his cause entrenching people in their bad opinions because they, you know, echo, they have, they see them echoed on Fox News and Newsmax and other, you know, right-wing sources that, that tell them, you know, this is okay, this is uh, fine, you can have these opinions, this is what politics is about, it's about demonizing the enemy, it's about telling people that they're bad because, you know, uh, of whatever, being poor, being minorities, or being whatever. It, 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 these are the things that Trump preys on, our worst instincts. He he amps them up, he, he gets his, you know, rallies going, he's, he's calling for explicit use of physical violence against his his political enemies he's inciting insurrection at the capitol that is a, a it would be a good thing for everyone republicans democrats neutrals everybody if that di didn't exist if that didn't happen again in 2024 so no the democrats don't want trump running even if it might give them you know one percent or ten percent better chance of winning than against desantis because they understand the damage that trump does to american yeah. politics and american civil no, society no, I, think, I think uh i think you're right about where they're coming from uh, you mentioned the coin flip connor um, yeah, I don't know if you. Uh, I mean, the, I don't know if you read the comics, but uh, in the Los Angeles Times, one of the comics, I think it's Bleachers, but I'm not sure. It showed uh, two football teams um, with the captains uh, facing each other at the start of the game, with the referee in the middle, and the referee is doing the traditional coin toss. Yeah. on you know who went, gets to pick the kickoff of the first half. So he, he flips the coin, and uh, the home team wins. And they pick offense, or, or excuse me, they, they, they say that they will kick off in the first half. And standing right behind the captains for the visiting team are three corporate lawyers with briefcases. And the visiting team announces, we will be uh, filing an emergency appeal with the United States Supreme Court <laughs> to challenge the loss of the coin flip. So it's not so far-fetched. It's not. Your, your idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the damage that a political uh, uh, campaign does, um, I think uh, if we all just reduced everything to coin flips, uh, we'd save a lot of money, certainly. So, uh, Connor, we have time for one more big topic. The uh, We uh, billboarded criminalizing hate speech. We'll talk about that next week. So one more topic. Are big law firms too woke and too money hungry? So here's the deal. Uh, there's a fellow named Paul Clement 
big deal lawyer. He's been a solicitor general, meaning he is the lawyer for the federal government who goes to the U.S. Supreme Court and uh, engages in oral arguments on behalf of the federal government's position. So big deal guy comes out, of course, big law, the 30, 40, 50 biggest, most lucrative law firms that pay their partners millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. And of course, he was a uh, solicitor general for Republican presidents. Right. Yeah. And he's a member of the Federalist right. Society, which is a right wing uh, think tank you know, group. So he's definitely a right wing guy. So his big uh, Wall Street Journal op-ed piece uh, currently is saying that big, he says, big law, the biggest, fanciest law firms in the nation are too woke and they're too money hungry. So first of all, Connor, Wait, hold on. Isn't uh, yeah, that yeah. contradictory? Yeah, if we checked his <laughs> bank account, I bet there would be many, many millions resting comfortably. Well, sure, yeah. Based on his years of working with fancy law firms and getting to the point where Republican presidents picked him to be the lawyer right, in the right. biggest cases in the U.S. Yeah. Supreme Court. So next, Clement says clients are turning woke. So the big f- law firms are going woke, too. And I mean, it's true. The customer, Connor, is always right. And if the customer comes to you and says, you know, we take a certain position on transgender rights or whatever, or homophobia or whatever, you think the law firm is going to spit in their eye and say, oh, yeah, we're not progressive. We're Barry Goldwater Republicans. To Clement's credit, he puts his money where his mouth is. He left the powerhouse firm, Kirkland and Ellis, which has been like a feeder into the White House for, for decades to form his own boutique firm. Why? Because Kirkland and Ellis told him, no more gun cases. Our other big corporate clients don't like you representing you know, the NRA and the gun perspective. His point, corporate clients are unfairly, and get this, denied an opportunity to be represented by the best attorneys in the country because the law firms are going woke and refusing to represent some corporations. Now, it sounds kind of far-fetched. I mean, there are plenty of great lawyers out there. But I got to tell you, Connor, it reminds me of the time I got a client. I won a client. It was a private prison company. And the reason I got it was because a huge national law firm came under pressure from its big woke clients. You're representing a private prison company? No, you won't. And not You won't represent them and us both. So... We, the, the, the private prison company came to our firm. And of course, lots of firms have avoided representing Trump because it would cause them to lose business from woke clients. I mean, these woke clients don't seem to realize that Donald is in, he's entitled somehow to free legal advice. After all, right. he doesn't pay his bills. In a, sense, <laughs> in a sense, although he's a crook in that way, he has kind of a point. Trump tells his lawyers as he stiffs them, you guys owe me. You got a million dollars worth of publicity and additional clients. You know, my pillow guy, I'm sure he gave, he hired a bunch of Trump law firms just because you were my lawyers. Right. So, you know. So this guy, Clement, Clement, I think the fundamental premise of his piece and his, his thesis, his idea is that, as you put it, um, the the, the certain people are denied the right to the best lawyers in the country. Yeah, sounds a little bit silly. Do you feel sorry is. for General Electric? Right. Yeah. Do you do you do you worry that General Electric can't find a high powered, high priced lawyer who? will take their cases, I don't think that they're actually going to be strapped for legal representation. And if there is some world where for a moment they are strapped for legal representation because of the fallout that other clients would 
would would you know would bring down on them because they chose to represent Trump or uh, to take a a pro gun rights case to a Second Amendment case in front of the Supreme Court or whatever else, then instantly that problem will be solved by exactly Paul Clement being self-interested in his own you know, success and profits and being able to handle these two, uh, Second Amendment cases enough to leave Kirkland and Ellis, start his own boutique and defend them. So or you know, prosecute on their behalf. Is there any real risk that they will go unrepresented <laughs> or that the best attorneys in the world are simultaneously the best attorneys in the world, but also not smart enough to realize that if their firm won't let them represent one of their biggest uh, clients in a Second Amendment case or any other case, that they will simply go elsewhere. No, find you're a right. Firm you're right. Can. It's 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 almost like a, a straw man argument that he offers. It's just too easy to be. But, 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 but here, here's what he yeah. misses, though, Connor. Here's okay. what he misses. What hip, this is my personal perspective. Sure, yeah. What hypocrisy for big law to go woke. They don't believe in woke policies. They never have, but now they embrace them. They climbed the ladder. When I say they, each of the hyper-competitive, pugnacious, super smart guys, mostly, and some gals, Climbed the ladder of success for decades. They won the battle in life to succeed financially with two, three, four million dollars a year. They've got the social skills. They've been like land sharks working day and night to reach the mountaintop. They're at the mountaintop. They have their Long Island mansions. They've got their, their, their millions of dollars worth of real estate. And now they're not going to embrace any woke policies that would erase their accomplishments they want to enjoy the life and the money they earned in an economy and a society that encouraged success and let them keep most of what they saved, as opposed to embracing the principle of income equality, income equality. But will they ever confess to their woke clients or their, their employees who pressure them uh, or their customer base who decides whether to buy their consumer goods or not based on whether or not they, they're woke? No, they would never confess these truths to them, but I know where they're coming from, and I just think it's hypocritical. I mean, I get it. I, I totally understand what you're saying, that that these people have benefited from every inch of their lives from this system, and they have now climbed to the apex of it. And at the apex, it is easy for them, with all of their power and money and privilege and everything else, to turn around and judge somebody else, to turn around and say, hey, you're not woke enough, but I suddenly am. Well, how did you get to that point? Did you embrace the principle of, as you describe, as so aptly uh, picking up, of, of income e equality being a good thing when you were making three, you know, uh, $3 million a year or whatever? <laughs> did you somehow... Uh, use your privilege and power uh, for good in the past? Or have you just now changed your tune to say that, oh, everybody coming up behind me should not uh, work for uh, Raytheon because they're making bombs and that you should not work for uh, Monsanto because they're, you know, stepping on the little farmer and poisoning people. Uh, and you should not work for, uh, you know, whoever else, big corporate clients uh, that, that they want to paint as the bad guy <clears throat> that I would <clears throat> paint as the bad guy too. But did they, did they, you know, uh, did they get theirs and are they now trying to pull the ladder up from sort of other lawyers? I think that is like the, the honestly, I think that's what Paul Clement uh, is is sort of uh, has going for him that that it's too easy for 
for people at the apex of money and power and politics in this country to turn around and say, well, I'm going to judge other people, right? That is not a victimless crime to judge other people, right? But like there are victims of that. There are well, people. If you only who, do it in your head, it's victimless, that's, right? That's, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, but it, it, there are lawyers out there who, in order to, uh, you know, make it in the world while keeping a sense of 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 sanity and a sense of 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 that they are righteous and that they're doing uh, doing good and that they're sort of uh, part of a, a just system, are going to say to themselves, "I'm not going to represent Monsanto. I'm not going to represent Raytheon. I'm not going to represent the U.S. government in the the way that they do their bad stuff or or whatever." And if you know the 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 woke big firms want to change on a dime, then you can it, it is you it can be perceived or analyzed as judgment or looking down on those people despite having benefited from this system uh, to get where they are. But that is, I think, the most charitable possible interpretation of Clement's argument. <laughs> I think that is the most charitable possible interpretation of the argument against, like, oh, well, thank you for corporate- sharing your thoughts, Connor. Doggone, we're out of trial, <laughs> out of time. Okay, what, okay what I'll, I'll give, I'll give it, to, I'll give it to sixty seconds of what I really think. But no, I, I was kidding about being out of time. We have plenty of tape. That's oh, that's good. That's that's really good. It's, uh, you're over there you frantically tape, spooling, huh? yeah, spooling tape over there, splicing together more celluloid for us to. Well, I don't we used know, to film use scotch song. tape, Connor, in radio. Oh, radio. We used to use scotch tape to uh, tape together pieces of magnetic tape uh, in order to create, you know, nice. news stories, actualities, and so on. Ooh. And we had uh, buggies around 1903. <laughs> but I mean, look, so. What what I think really is happening in uh, in American politics and American life, the notion that we are going to the left. First of all, I think that is actually you know n- not really a, a well substantiated argument. I don't I don't think that this 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 claim that oh po- that, that 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 corporations are going woke or that that politicians are going woke or whatever. First of all, it's not a bad thing to recognize uh, wokeness means. A, be uh, aware that like our society does not value black lives uh, as highly as it values others, right? That's what wokeness means. But now it is just a placeholder used to be rude to liberals, right? It generally, it's just sort of like, it's, a, it's just a way to say, uh, point a finger at somebody. Rude to say, AOC. I don't know if it's rude to liberal. Right. It's, a, it's just a way to, to, to point the finger at somebody and say, you're extreme. And I you're know which far. finger is being pointed. <laughs> Not a good one. You're too far. You're too much. You're too extreme. You're outside the bounds of of, of what's okay or what's the acceptable. Finger with an excessively long uh, pinky nail. Yeah, that's it. It's a, it's a uh, used for strumming a banjo, actually. <laughs> um, so th- this is it's just a way to say you're too far. You're too much. You're too extreme. You're outside normal. You're outside what should be allowed. But it's a way to say that without having to defend it at all. It's a way to to defend is to say it without having to say you're this too far because you support a marginal tax rate of fifty one percent and the the acceptable bounds of what would be normal and reasonable to ask for from billionaires is actually only forty nine percent. Since you're at fifty one, you're ridiculous, and everybody else would be able to go. That's only two percent different. That doesn't sound ridiculous to me. It's a way to make to to throw sort of it. What I feel like is a schoolyard barb of wokeness at somebody, and it 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 forces them to engage with what cataloging is all that, of is their that political... similar to the kid that put his tongue on the frozen flagpole exactly. in Christmas Story? Yeah, that was uh, as painful. That, that was as. a cruel schoolyard barb. Right. That's right. <laughs> 
Uh, if if it was a kid named Barbara who forced him to do it, yeah, absolutely. It, it it forces somebody to what catalog all their political opinions and come to what a like a a, a a score an average of those political opinions and say I'm only five percent beyond what a classical liberal would say or what a Democrat would say. I'm not woke. It's indefensible. You can't you cannot respond to the accusation of wokeness, which is why it is now so rampant and so easy for Republican politicians to say or Paul Clement to say in an op-ed, oh, they've gone woke. Why? Because they have a diversity inclusion seminar going on at their law firm? Okay, bro, you don't even have to pay attention. You can just listen there and, and look at your phone on your desk but you know, and pretend that you're paying attention during this diversity inclusion seminar if you really are a jerk about it and you really don't want to put up with it. That's all. They, they're not judging you. They're not telling you where you're a bad person. That wokeness is not a crime. Wokeness is not a movement. Wokeness <laughs> is simply it has been. It is no, a term wokeness that is been, abolish police and defund uh, the police and abolish prisons. Excuse me. Except and open, nobody's and open doing borders. any of that. Nobody's doing well, any thank of God. That. That's because <laughs> we're all asleep. <laughs> if anyone was actually out there with me saying we should be abolishing our prison system and our law enforcement systems, we should be starting over from the ground up and it would be preferable to have no police than to have the current policing system. Just if you were Mad one Max of, existence and make right. Mel Gibson emperor. Exactly. And if you're one of the people like I am who thinks actually it wouldn't be Mad Max, it would be a lot better than it is currently, and that we would swiftly come up with replacement solutions that were much better. Well, I'm now, not I'm, sure, Connor. I'm sure I think human nature is such uh, that there might be a few speed bumps along the way. You know, there Some might people be people who might not really believe in divine retribution, uh, might just I don't know, go nuts. You right. Think? But, but again, that's not who's those normal people, those, as we've discussed this whole episode, normal Democratic normies who are just out there going, hey, maybe police, should, maybe, <laughs> maybe police should kill fewer black people, just like maybe maybe just a couple fewer. Right. Those sort of normies are currently being accused of going woke and poisoning General Motors or whatever, as though General Motors has done everything substantively anything saying the democrats in congress would be comfortable with killing a certain number of people in order to achieve their moderate goals <laughs> that by is way, one connor, interpretation of my by view. the way connor have you ever heard the great joke um about how frank sinatra uh, saved a man's life one night no oh yeah so so Frank, with all of his, you know, bodyguards, they visit some nightclub and there's a comedian up on stage. And of course, the comedian recognizes bodyguarded too. No, he recognizes Frank. Right. So he recognized Frank and makes some comments and jokes and so on. And afterwards, Frank is not happy. Uh, Frank and the bodyguards go visit the comedian backstage. And uh, so they start to talk. And it's a little tense. And Frank nods to the bodyguards. And so they start beating the crap out of this guy. Oh, my God. They beat him. And they beat him. And he's screaming and he's yelling. Finally, Frank says, that's enough. And that's how Frank Sinatra saved a man. <laughs> yeah. Uh that sounds about right. Did I say any more? No, I don't think you do. Well, I think I, actually what I do need to do, unless you want to complete your thought. Um, no, no, no. I, I think I, I more than completed it four did or you five more times than completed? over. I am, I am absolutely. I, well, I well, could, you, could you estimate how many minutes back? Because we could urge people to erase certain minutes or a certain portion of the podcast. Like, like no, I think Frank they were Sinatra's, all like pearls of wisdom. Like Frank Sinatra's bodyguards, I beat my point to a pulp. <laughs> already but i'll i'll Gucci. reiterate i it. mean touche 
one more time, and that is Paul Cle- uh, Clement. You are absolutely fine. I know he's listening. You are absolutely full of it, and you know you are. You are simply a very talented lawyer who comes up with a somewhat okay uh, justification for shouting and ranting and raving about how your colleagues at Kirkland and Ellis said to you, look, buddy, you've been benefiting from our current system your entire career. Now the world is changing and there are going to be implications for people who cling bitterly, as Obama said, bitter clingers, who cling bitterly to the rem- the remains of what existed a decade ago or two decades ago or three decades ago. There are consequences for all our actions. We decide what consequences we want to suffer when we decide uh, when we decide freely to take or not take a client. And we who are money hungry, but then also maybe just inherently good people think we should take on the defense of important clients that will make the, the world a better place and not those that won't. And it will because we have uh, uh, picked up and taken on the clients that we take, that we will you accomplish certain goals in our political system while not suffering terrible consequences for going against this new normal, this new world that we live in. So that's what Paul Clement was faced with. He was faced with a bunch of people at, at Kirkland Ellis who told him, look, the world is changing and this is the way to both be good lawyers and make good money. And you can be part of that too if you follow our rules. And he said, no, I don't like that. I'm going to strike it out on my own and continue to make millions of dollars a year uh, representing whoever the heck it is I want to uh, represent. And uh, somehow also, for some reason, being angry about it in a public op-ed. So, Paul, stuff it. I don't want to hear it. You're free to do whatever you want, but don't criticize people who are trying to support the new normal and make the world a better place while also still being plenty successful themselves uh, by sort of embracing uh, the concept of wokeness or embracing the concept of doing the right thing and as the right thing naturally evolves with society. And and I, I think maybe that brings to mind the saying that the perfect shouldn't be the frenemy of the good. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's frenemy that the that's part. Yeah, of the yeah, song, yeah, right? for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. Hey, guess what, Connor? We do have time to return to the uh, game show that we use every single episode here on Too Many Lawyers. Guess the verdict. And, Can't uh, wait. Always yeah, love so it. What happens is I give uh, Connor uh, the real life facts of a legal dispute, sometimes civil, sometimes criminal. They come from the massive files of my uh, It's the Law and the Focus on the Law feature over the last several decades. And uh, Connor, being young enough that he's forgotten or never heard of many of them, it's fair game (laughs) for him to guess. So are you ready to go up to uh, Santa Cruz, California, beautiful Northern California? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was born ready. So Connor will hear these uh, facts. He will guess the outcome of the case and then will decide based on his guess whether he wins or not. Sometimes it's a bit of a gray area. So we give him a bell, even though maybe he didn't get it 100%. God, I love that bell. It's completely Pavlovian. I hear it. I just start drooling. So here are the facts, Connor. 26-year-old Corey McDonald is a professional clown who doesn't love professional clowns. He goes by the name Mr. Twister. And he walks the streets of Santa Cruz in costume, feeding nearly expired parking meters. What a wonderful guy, huh? <laughs> right? Okay. Why does he dress as a clown to do this? He's right, a whatever. professional clown. It's okay, this is okay. just part of his giving back. It's it's called paying it forward. Okay, <laughs> sure. if you saw the movie. Yeah. Anyway, the city council, made up of uh, about thirteen Scrooges, 
sues him for depriving the city of much needed revenue in the form of ticket proceeds and uh, dollars or nickels and quarters dropped into the meters. All right. So he has been sued by the city of council of Santa Cruz in the case of city council of Santa Cruz versus Corey McDonald, professional clown, AKA Mr. Twister who wins. I love it. I love the idea that that uh, that uh, Mr. Twister here uh, filed it. That Corey McDonald rather filed a, a a response to this lawsuit, an answer uh, to the lawsuit, and included in it a, a, his erroneously sued as Corey McDonald. Actually, step back, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I'm Mr. Twister. Okay, you can't be calling me Corey McDonald. Uh, I'm changing my name legally, uh, and this nose is surgically attached now. No, I, I think this guy, uh, unfortunately, falls into the category of uh, uh, if you try to take on the man, you're almost certainly to lose. Uh, that's that's why it's the man. That's why they're the government. Uh, they make the rules. Uh, they are going to decide, uh, simply decide that you can't do what you're doing. They're going to tell you uh, we would prefer that people – uh, people's uh, meters expire and we get to give them their uh, tickets. That's how we have budgeted. We have budgeted to get a certain amount of money in from parking tickets for people overstaying their wealth. Yeah, budgets are so important. I believe the federal deficit is around <laughs> $3 trillion is now? $3 trillion? Anyway, well, look, okay, look at it. Look, look, if I'm the judge, right? I'm, I'm sitting up there and I'm saying, okay, this guy is obviously a good guy who's just trying to prevent people from getting tickets. I, I, I don't want to punish him. But on the other hand, I'm looking at, at, at the other side's arguments, which are going to be, OK, well, if people if there's somebody out here who's feeding parking meters, then people aren't going to be swift in their you know shopping or loitering or whatever else they're doing and turn these parking spots over so that by default they are you know a, a reasonably available for people to use. And you're going to end up with basically parking squatters uh, who you know people feeding each other's meters and everybody's kind of looking out for each other and, and you end up with kind of a, a, a cadre, a coalition of people who are squatting in these spots for too long, longer than the allotted time, and suddenly there's not parking available for everybody else right now you can you do, make that you do or- remember that that there's a question for you to answer who won mr twister the, or the city the, of santa cruz the longer i talk the more likely it is you forget that i have to answer this question oh, okay. and then I, that's is true that a likely possible no probably not okay so it's like jimmy hey, stewart and the filibuster <laughs> smith goes to washington exactly i'm just gonna filibuster this podcast hey, i think it is a possibility of course uh, that uh, that uh, a culture. Oh, I'm sorry, I sneezed, <laughs> and I just don't know what came out. Uh, gross. Uh, hate hate culture. It's the worst. Two-syllable so, Latin word, I think. Yeah, probably. It'd be great. So, I think it's a possibility you can come up with that, uh, Mr. Twister. Uh, you know, just wins by being generally a good guy, and the Santa Cruz uh, 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 judge decides, look, I'm not about to punish this uh, good guy uh, for doing a trying to do a good deed. And if they want to pass a law that says that this is illegal, then they can do that. Right. And that might well be the outcome. But frankly, I don't think that's how this works. I think that law is probably already on the book somewhere. And I think that the Santa Cruz City Council uh, gets its pound of flesh, uh, polka dotted flesh uh, from this uh, this clown. Uh, And I'm so sorry, Mr. Twister, but I think you're going down. Well, we'll call this a gray area. And so what we'll give is a muted bell. How was that? Was that kind of muted? Better than nothing, I guess. Actually, there was no trial because the day before the trial, the city dismissed the suit. They wimped out after adverse publicity in the local rag. 
Wow. And so wow. they just dropped the suit. And here's the best the feel guy. good part, Connor. Are you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. To show there were no hard feelings, Mr. Twister twisted balloons into animal shapes for every one of the city councilmen. They were all men, of course. The Twister wow. was a man. It's a happy it ending. A, basically, it's a sexist. It's a story about sexism. Yeah, when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those well, balloon animals represent something. I'll tell you that. Gonna, That's all we're I gonna, know. We're going to give you half credit. Uh, I think we, we owe a, a profound apology to our listenership, Connor, because we, we billboarded that we would talk about criminalizing hate speech as opposed to hate crimes, and we didn't get to it. So, Oh, that's just a teaser. We'll, that's, that yeah, just we'll gets more excited for that. I feel bad week. because, yeah. you know, there's only so much tape here, and um, yeah. I had to get in a lot of references that are pertinent to people born before 1955, <laughs> and so uh, I had to take up the time. Right, and you were very concise. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You took part. up, you took up most. I mean, of you were, I you were yeah. downright pithy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you to all, one and all, for uh, sticking with us to the bitter end here. I think this may be a record. It could be the longest podcast we've ever done, Connor. We'll have to compute it. I had a lot of pent up uh, uh, <laughs> ranting uh, after my two weeks vacation. <laughs> See you next time on Too Many Lawyers. Have a great week. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more, an extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP.